Hey, it's Scott Orner, Cruise Consulting, and thanks for joining us on Founders and Friends for another awesome podcast. Let's give a quick shout out to the Cruise Consulting accounting team. We're very fortunate. We have a ton of people at Cruise who work on the monthly books for our clients and get them all set up, due diligence ready, rocking every month, answering all the clients' questions, making all those adjustments. And there's no better moment for a founder and for us, really, when founder says, hey, I think I'm going to get a term sheet. Are my books ready for diligence? And we get to say, yes, they are. Fire away. Send them over. Give them access. That is a great feeling. It's the feeling that lets us know we've done a job very well done. And nothing is better than watching that cash hit the bank account. So if you are a venture-backed startup, you're going out to fundraise, maybe check us out. Check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. We love what we do. At taping here, I think we have 575 clients. Clients raise over a billion dollars this year. So we know what we're doing. And hopefully we can help you be successful in your fundraise. All right, let's get to the podcast. Thanks. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise from Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Orn. Welcome to Founders and Friends podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Sona Ikmajian of Avalara. Welcome, Sona. Thank you for having me, Scott. Great to be here. Uh, we've been a longtime partner of Avalara. And uh, as we were talking about, I, I am a shareholder since the IPO. It's a publicly traded company and it's been a good run. So we've been very excited to have you on. And uh, maybe you can just start off by telling everyone, you know, retrace your career a little bit. How did you have the idea to join Avalara? And then, you know, what does Avalara do? Excellent. Well, for, we it's always a privilege to have you guys as a partner and we value the partnership, Scott. So, you know, retracing my career, I'm a California CPA, Scott, and I started my career in sales and use taxes very, very early on. And ironically, when I got out of college, the market was very bad. Uh, and the only job I could get at the time was as an auditor with the state of California for sales and use taxes. So I kind of fell into that area of taxation, but I never left it because I absolutely am one of those people that's very passionate about transactional taxes. So my whole career, I've done a number of things, but it's all around sales and use taxes. So I got tired of being an auditor and I got my CPA license, moved over to Deloitte where I spent a good number of years. And that's where I actually got introduced to technology. And the market was very different back then then moved into um, competitors of Avalara and ADP, and then a smaller accounting firm. And at that DMA, which, where I spent a good number of years, I actually developed the partnership we had with Avalara. And um, love the company, love the vision. I bleed orange, I think orange, and I moved <laughs> over. And I've been here about a year and a half, and I lead our accounting partnership channel. And I have the pleasure of working with a lot of accountants and uh, their clients and absolutely love it. I love it. And uh, I love the bleed orange. And I mean, going, so going way back in your career, you used to, you used to, you know, audit sales tax returns and things like that. It must've been like kind of mind blowing when Avalara appeared on the scene and could actually automate some of this stuff. Was that like a, oh my gosh, kind of moment or my life just got so much better kind of it, moment? It was, so I will say, I'm not gonna tell you when I audited, but I will tell you, Scott, when I was auditing at the state, 
we didn't have laptops or computers. I had those oh green ledgers. So that's how far back we go. Wow. When I'm talking you look way too young to be working. Maybe the state was just behind and hadn't upgraded enough. Oh, that's, you're that's too kind. But anyway, when I got into technology, there was really two players in the market. And the technology at the time for sales and use tax automation was really geared towards the very large companies. We're talking about the Fortune 1000 because it was expensive. It was not a SaaS solution. It, you know, it, it was a premise solution, difficult to implement, extremely costly and not scalable. When yeah. I'll be honest, when Avalara first came, I was with Deloitte and I said, what are they thinking? Who is going to want their information on the cloud, right? But, you know, our CEO, Scott McFarlane, who still leads the company, is a complete visionary and futuristic thinker. And he was right onto something. I am embarrassed to say I wasn't sold on the idea when they first came. Like, they're never going to surprise. Fast forward years, here I am, right? So, you know, they came in with a cloud solution and it was affordable for the smaller companies. That yeah, was really the amazing. first solution. And they had a vision that was very different than the competitors. The vision was, we're going to develop integration to many different systems. And, you know, as a partner, you know, those integrations are gold for us. That's how our clients communicate with our systems. And Avalara is the only vendor out there. And I can say that with great confidence that has more than a thousand connectors. Wow, that's amazing. Well, it also makes the life of an accounting firm like us so much easier. And that's what gets us to promote Avalara and introduce our clients to it because we have, we have the same kind of epiphany that you have, where it's just like, oh my gosh, being able to automate this, have it in the cloud, let the client access it too. The client can see actually what's happening and it just makes our work so much more efficient. That's, that's why we love it. I mean, that, that's really why you're on the podcast. Like I, we want people to know about the solution. And so kudos to the company and, and wow. kudos to you for on the accounting channel. But like, it's, it's amazing how far the company has gone. It's, Avalar is a publicly traded company. I mean, what's your what's the revenue now? It's like a billion dollars a year or we're more. It's got to be pretty big. We're getting there. It's it's very attainable, and we're growing like crazy, Scott. And there's a number of components contributing to that. But we were introduced as sales and use tax, but we're grown naturally and through acquisitions into so many different areas. We're a global company, and our goal is to make compliance easy. We want to make what is difficult easy for our clients and to do it globally. And we're expanded into other tax types, cross-border, VAT, uh, recent acquisitions of 1099 and uh, property taxes. So, you know, e-invoicing, insurance, I mean, exemption certificates, research, I could, the least, list goes on. But we've had a lot of acquisitions and now in a lot of different areas all to help with compliance. It's amazing. Maybe you can take a second. We'll talk about some of the drivers of what in the market's really driven Avalara, but if you can take a second to just explain the nuts and bolts of what is sales tax, what is use tax for the entrepreneurs who are listening to the podcast. Sales and use taxes are transactional based taxes. It is a compliance burden for the businesses and adds really no value 
right? Uh, you you can you can go to jail for not complying, but for, when you comply, it's it's a requirement. That's no value. <laughs> but yeah. it, it's a huge risk if you are not appropriately collecting and remitting this taxes. It's a pass through, right? If you're not doing it correctly, it becomes a cost to the businesses and go straight to the bottom line. Yeah. So yeah. as a small business, it becomes really critical to be in compliance. Yeah. Well, also for in our, and to jump in here with our client base, this is one of the things where when a venture capital fund is investing in a company, like doing their next round of capital, a lot of times people think about like the accounting, like what is the operational accounting, the income statement, the balance sheet look like? But there's a whole component of tax compliance and diligence that happens from the VC firm. So they're asking for the list of states that you've been filing sales tax in. And actually, that's like one of the things on the checklist. And so this is why we're more aggressive about bringing Avalara in these days. But you're right. It doesn't add a ton of value, but it can, it can be a red flag for an investor or for a state agency that's auditing you. Absolutely. And you ask, what is it? Um, it's yeah. a transaction-based tax um, that is very complicated and very almost impossible these days to handle manually. It's due based on what you what you're both on the sale and the use of it. So both on the procure to pay, pay and the sales to order. It's typically based on who, who am I selling it to? Where am I shipping it to? what am I shipping? And also how will they be using it? Yep. So you combine that, it becomes really complicated. Then there's like 13,000 jurisdictions across the US that have different rates and different ways of taxing each of these products. And Scott, when you do the math, you see the complexity. And that's why I say it's nearly impossible for a company to handle this manually. It's crazy. And maybe, maybe we can break those components down. So like the different, what is it? So there's we were talking before we turned the mics on, like a lot of our e-commerce clients have to file sales tax. A lot of our SaaS clients in specific states, because SaaS isn't like a national thing yet, um, statewide, they have to file. Like it all kind of depends on what kind of business you're in, right? Yes. What kind of business? And, you know, some states ta ta tax tangible personal property, something tangible, others ta tax services. They tax them different ways, but it's even more relevant now than ever based on the world we live in and some of the yeah. regulatory changes. Yeah. Maybe country. talk about that. There's, there was a huge Supreme court decision uh, three years ago, four years ago, that really kind of paved the way for sales tax to go mainstream. Absolutely. It was called Wayfair and it's not, it's not the, uh, you know, the furniture company either. Right. <laughs> it's, it's Wayfair changed e-commerce, uh, right? Retail commerce. And then I think the pandemic on top of it accelerated things so much more. So what Wayfair did really was introduce economic nexus. Before, um, you know, where, where a company needed to collect and remit taxes was based on where they had operations, salespeople, warehouses, but what Wayfair did was introduce economic nexus, which is where am I shipping to? 
I no longer have to have physical presence. And what they did is even complicate it more because every state has a different threshold. So now you need to track those thresholds and say, okay, have I hit that threshold? Do I need to register? So it's an administrative nightmare and, and you guys are seeing it as well. Totally. So to break it down for folks, is it was it South Dakota or North Dakota? I, I apologize uh, versus Wayfair. Yeah. South, South. I I get this wrong half the time, and my I college roommate well. is from I'm South Dakota. I'm embarrassed to say. Yeah, but my 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 college roommate's from South Dakota, and he would not get mad at me for this. So one of the states sued and took it to the Supreme Court and said, like, hey, this out of state commerce company is selling or is selling a lot of stuff to our people that live in our state and we're not getting taxes on that. And we want to be able to tax that. And because they don't have people in the state or assets um, or property, we're not able to tax that right now. A lot of people remember Amazon stayed out of certain states for a long time because they didn't want to pay sales tax. And so the Supreme Court said like, hey, if you're selling a certain dollar amount to people within a state, yes, you can start taxing. And so some states are $50,000, some states are $100,000, some states are higher. Like you said, it varies everywhere, but that opened Pandora's box for the states to start charging sales tax. And I think you probably saw this too. Like the states are like a new revenue stream. That's amazing. I want a new revenue stream. I want to be able to do sales tax. And so, but for us poor accountants out there and the the clients who are selling to people in the South Dakotas and North Dakotas and all these states that maybe they didn't have sales tax before, all of a sudden the burden of compliance was very, very heavy. Yep. And then you had the pandemic where everybody shut their doors, Scott, and they started shipping. They they turned yeah. to e-commerce, right? Yeah. Everybody started buying on e-commerce. My mom, who's not even technology savvy, next thing you know, she's buying things on e-commerce, right? So everybody went to e-commerce, started selling things. Well, they said, wow, this is great. I can sell everywhere. And some even sold it internationally. Right. So they started hitting those thresholds a lot quicker, created cross border issues. So it became um, that's why I said pandemic accelerated all of this. It really did. And we saw that, too. We, I, You must have. And, and I know Shopify had a huge explosion in the number of clients they were hosting e-commerce shops for. But like at Cruise, I think we signed 30 e-commerce clients just this year, which we're, that's a, 30 isn't a huge number, but for us, that's like, you know, 5% of our, our, uh, of our client base, which is boom, boom, boom. Right. And so in a lot of those companies, they get going and three months later, they're selling like pretty large numbers of dollars. And all of a sudden they have a sales tax problem they need to comply with. Absolutely. So technology is really the only way to comply with that. And, um, that's why our business has been growing and, your business is growing because, you know, I, I think a lot of companies are turning to their trusted advisor. They're they're trying to say, how do I adopt technology? I can't do it. I need to be in compliance. And you talked about the connections that Avalara has uh, early on in the podcast. Are some of the connections with some of the big e-commerce platforms like Shopify? Like, how do you work with like the big kind of folks, you know, when people are going to choose their e-commerce vendor? right? Like how do you, do you plug into Shopify and some of the other ones? Absolutely. Actually with Shopify plus we're already part of it. Oh, amazing. When, when, when a client has Shopify plus 
Avalara uh, solution is already embedded in it. But that's not necessarily the case with every system. With a thousand plus connector, if, if somebody's using an e-commerce or a financial system or a POS system, chances are we're there. Yeah, already. that's amazing. Now, there's another class of companies that we have, which are SaaS companies, software as a service, which is like, you know, Avalara is a software as a service company. Like you deliver your service over the internet uh, in the cloud. And can you talk through some of the basics of sales tax for those kind of companies? Like what do they need to worry about? When should they be registering to pay sales tax? Like, and I, I know a little bit about this too, so I can jump in there too, but what are the the basics for a SaaS company? So, um, you know, as a, as a SaaS company, their products may have different taxability across uh, actually the globe, right? Um, yeah. So you look at the product and you look at the taxability. They're oftentimes subject to a lot of the th same things. If you're selling a, a, a solution into a state and they're reselling, you need a resell exemption. You still need to report. You still need to file. So a lot of the same issues, even though it's not tangible personal property. Hey, it's Scott Orn, and we're going to take a quick break from the podcast to give a shout out to the cruise tax team. Gosh, it's so nice to have an in-house tax team. I can't even tell you. Uh, we have some really amazing professionals on the team. It's over, I think it's 13 people now. And we do everything from your federal state income tax return, state franchise tax filings, R&D tax credits. Those are pretty popular these days. And guess what? They're there for you when you go through diligence a lot of people don't know this, but you actually go through tax diligence, not just operational kind of financial diligence, but you do go through tax diligence. So it's nice to have Vanessa Cruz on the phone with your VCs and with the accounting firm they hired to diligence all your stuff and the law firm they hired to diligence all your stuff. Vanessa knows what she's doing. She's done this a million times. And, uh, and not, it's not just Vanessa. We have a really great team of tax professionals that will do those calls too. It's, it's kind of sometimes the difference between getting around closed or having it take another two weeks because something was disorganized and the tax compliance wasn't done correctly. We hear those horror stories from clients that come to us. So, hey, if you want Cruz's tax team on your side, we're here for you. Check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. Thanks. What's interesting about the SaaS stuff too that I've seen is not every state is taxing SaaS the way they are like e-commerce or retail or things like that. There's there's a couple, I, I think last time I counted, maybe it was like 25 states that were doing this. Maybe it was 19 for a couple of years, but they were like the early adopters of SaaS sales tax. They were, you know, I always think New York, I think Arizona, like some of these states were just, you know, again, the states need to fund their operations. And so this was another revenue stream. And, yeah. uh, and so it's not like, I think, again, I'm, I'm could be wrong on this, but California doesn't have a SaaS sales tax right now. I'm sure it's coming down the pipe. Um, maybe there's some heavy lobbying from Silicon Valley trying to keep, keep that from coming into California, but I know New York does. And so Avalar is actually a great tool for calculating your SaaS sales tax yeah. too, and, and doing those filings. It really is. And, you know, the other area that's really evolving right now is telecom as well, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody wants it. You know, telecommunication taxes is not just what the different tax type we see on our cell phone bills anymore, right? E-commerce, they're trying to 
identify things as telecommunications and get a piece of it, whether it's the device you have in your car that uh, streams in and gets you information or so many different things that now they're trying to label as telecommunication tasks. Really? I didn't know that. Wait, are these, is this the, the government's doing this or is this the, the telecom states. companies? States. Oh my states. gosh. Wow. You know, to your point, Scott, they want a little piece of everything, right? It's really yeah. hard to yeah. keep raising the tax rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so about find new, it's yeah. about switching something that is exempt and identifying it as taxable. Yeah, that's such a great insight. There's so one it's, other piece. It's a different mindset. Totally. There's one other piece of the Avalar. So we talked about the calculations of the sales tax and kind of what you owe, but I think a lot of people may not know this, but you will actually do some of the filings. Can you talk like? Can you talk about the nuts and bolts of actually filing the returns with the states? So you're absolutely right. When we look at compliance, it's end to end, right? It's calculating the taxes, documenting, um, you know, if you have exemptions, you need to have valid certificates, right? A state auditor will come in and say everything is taxable unless proven otherwise. So those certificates are really important. It's also the not only a filing but the remittance so we look at the end-to-end compliance and we say okay we can handle the entire piece so what happens is avatax does the calculation and has the document management in it as well then the calculated taxes end up on physical returns which are remitted to the uh, government authorities Sometimes accountants will do that. You know, we we can enable accountants to do that. Some choose to do it in-house, but it's become so complicated that we're seeing a big trend about, you know, companies want to outsource this, whether it's to us or to their accountant. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about Wayfair, Scott, you know, a company that was selling something, anything out of their garage in California only had to worry about one return. But with Wayfair, if they're shipping all over the nation, think about the volume of returns they need to file. It's too much. It's it's huge. It's huge. And you're right. Like we do a lot of those returns, but there's some like, I think there's some states or even some of our clients just decide to have Avalara Mm -hmm. uh, do the filings. You also talked about, you did a great job of breaking down the chain. The final chain is the remittance. Which is which is basically sending the money to the states. Can you can you talk about how that works and how Avalara enables that? So we've been doing this for years. Um, we have a team that's dedicated to filing this. Just to kind of put things in perspective, we file more than thirty mil three million returns every year. Wow. Um, wow. And so we're constantly looking to improve our processes uh, through artificial intelligence, some really good technology, because we're growing really fast and looking to leverage some technology to make ourselves more efficient. So definitely big focus area for us. We're continuing to grow. We're continuing to invest in it, but it's definitely a big piece of our business. And it's not just U.S. It's Canada. It's VAT. It's amazing. And so you actually can, and forgive me for not knowing this exactly, but you can actually like trigger the cash payment to the state automatically. We do. We're also a streamlined sales tax vendor. So what we do is we take the, draw the funds out of the company's account, one withdrawal every month, and we disperse that to the different authorities. We have 
automated ways of doing it. But if it's, it, you know, some of these local jurisdictions, you'd be surprised. They're very manual. We'll also. Oh, I'm not surprised. I know. We'll, we'll yeah. print and ship, uh, you know, and mail and do that stuff manually, cut checks. Yeah. So we provide that service as well. Yeah. So we really, you know, it comes down to we simplify the complicated. We yeah. ensure I, compliance. I love that. Simplifying the complicated. That's and and. Again, it's not just for the clients, but us. Like you enable us to serve our clients well, which we really appreciate. And everyone can kind of sleep easy at night. Yeah. Um, you talked about VAT. Are you is now please and I apologize, I don't know the definition of VAT. I know I know conceptually what it is, but could you explain that a little bit and how Avalara helps jump in there on that too? So VAT is value at added taxes, and it's really the equivalent of U.S. sales and use taxes, but outside of the U.S. Conceptually, the same thing, typically much higher rates. And um, you're familiar with sales and use taxes, and you understand the concept of exemption certificates, right? So if it goes through different three different channels, there's certificates issued. So taxes are only paid by the consumer at the end. With VAT, it's paid at every level, but mm. there's a credit taken at every level. So it's a little bit different. Um, some will say it's more simpler than US. Others who are used to the US system say US is simpler. <laughs> but end of the day, it's a compliance burden, right? Yeah. And um, rates, sometimes it's 25%, 27% are pretty high and requires the same level of compliance. You know, there's yeah. a calculation component, there's an input, which is a credit component, but there there's the filing as well. But there's the there's movement, a lot more movement outside of the US around e-invoicing. So the government enters into the process. Yeah. So they're electronically either authorizing or electronically getting their money, what's paid to them getting closer to the transaction, yep, yep. ensuring they get the right amount earlier. Yeah. And, it's, and some of that seems to be because things are going cross-border uh, mm -hmm. in, in Europe a lot more often than they are in like the United States or things like that. So that's why that is so much more popular. Um, well, this is great. You've, you're, you're a wealth of knowledge and we really love working with Avalara. Can you tell everyone where to, how to reach out, how to find you if they'd like to work with Avalara? Absolutely. I think avalara.com is a great resource to go to and I you know depending on the needs and what you need to do and if I if anyone needs to contact me personally, my LinkedIn is uh, is available. Sona, thank you so much. Thank the rest of the Avalara team for Cruise and uh, we look forward forward to working with you on many more companies in the coming year. Thanks for the opportunity. This was fun. All right, thanks, Anna. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise from Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Oh.